This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Today for the teaching time, we are going to go over the Matthew passage, the gospel reading for today. And we're going to start at verse 16, but have to take note at this point that it is connected to verses 7 through 14. Because in 7 through 14, Jesus talks about John the Baptist. And the John here that he refers to is John the Baptist. And we have to take note of that because he starts out in our passage, but to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned for you and you did not lament. Jesus talks about the perversity of that generation. And if we want any kind of reflection in this passage, let's think about this generation. Is there any perversity in this generation? Yes. Okay. Now, yeah, uh, well, actually about the same amount because sin is nothing new and human beings have been good at it for a really long time. Now, to what should we compare? He says they're like kids who don't know the danger of sin nor the joy of new life. Because he says, behold, oh no, no, no. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned for you and you did not lament. Have you ever been in a situation where you were talking with someone and you were trying to get through to them about something profound maybe or you're just trying to get through to them and nothing you seem to say or do seem to influence them to come out of whatever it is they're doing or to change their way or to adjust and make a new habit or something. And you sit there and you think, I, I, I've told them everything I know to tell them and nothing seems to get through. Well, that's what God and that's what Jesus means here. He's saying that the Father has, and He have tried everything. They played a flute and you couldn't get the people to dance. They played a dirge and they couldn't get the people to lament. So God is saying, what more do I have to say to you all? Because in these two passages, or in these two, in this verse here, say about the play, the flute, and the dirge. It's talking about the two messages that were brought forth by John the Baptist and Jesus. You see, Jesus brought the positive side of the gospel, you know, the freedom from sin. He brought this joy that you can have and joy to the Lord. And John the Baptist's theme of all of his preaching was what? what? Besides Jesus, yes, that works. Repentance. Because that's what John did, and that's actually what got him axed, if you know what I mean, because he denounced Herod, 
saying, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. So John was preaching repentance. But guess what? Nothing was able to get through to the religious leaders and those that were hard of heart at that time. Stiff-necked. They refused to listen. And you can relate to that by the times that you've tried to get someone's attention to get them to, you know, stop doing something. And you're exasperated because nothing you've said has changed their mind. And you want to throw up your hands and give up. But thankfully, the Lord never gives up on us. Amen? Amen. So, the people in this case saw no difference between the joy of the gospel or the severity of a call to repent. But, you see, God's word always demands a response. When we hear the word of God, we are supposed to respond to it in some way. Now, we need to search ourselves, if that's the case, and see if there's something in our mind, in our heart, or in our spirit that's keeping us from listening to the gospel message. And the psalmist related to that in Psalm 139. It said, try me and test me, Lord, and see if there's anything in me that's keeping from me from hearing you. We need to do that too. We are never on this side of eternity we are never, ever, ever going to be so good or so holy that we can look down our noses at other people and think that we've got it all figured out and we don't have to listen to the Lord anymore because we've heard everything we need to hear from the Lord and we've got this down pat, we're okay, yada, yada, and so forth and so on. We, never, we will never get to that point. Now, Jesus then continues... For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. See, John was what's called an ascetic. Does anybody know, does anyone know what an ascetic is? It's someone who eliminates all of his worldly possessions, except maybe a bowl and a spoon and the clothes that are on him, and they wander about looking for spirituality. And so they're out there doing their thing. And that's what John was doing. John was out in the wilderness, a man who was basically living off the land. So John was an ascetic. But the religious establishment of the day said, there's something wrong with that. He's got to be demon-possessed. So they were critical of John the Baptist because he was out there in the wilderness preaching, shouting, repent, and dunking people in the river when they did. But then there's Jesus. He comes along and he goes and he's a man of the people. Jesus is relating to the people as they are. And he's reaching out to them the way they are in such a way that we need to learn from that and find the people that need to hear the gospel, which is everyone who has not been converted yet, and find a way to relate to them. Now, Jesus would go to the parties, he would go to the banquets, and he would celebrate with the people, and he would have the wine, like when they were having it. And so they accused Jesus of being a drunk. You know, and the audacity of that is mind-boggling, but 
The Pharisees thought they were so spiritual that they knew better, and they knew there had to be something wrong with this guy from Galilee. And so they called him a drunk, a glutton, wine-bibber, were the words in the New King James Version, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You see, Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners, which means the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the vagrants, whatever. But he didn't hang out with them so he could blend in. He, hang, he hung out with them so he could win them to himself, to bring them out of their way of life into real life, the new life in Christ. So that's what he was done, doing. Now, it says that wisdom is justified by her children. Now, you say, what does that mean? What it means is that wisdom can be figured out and determined when you hear the source of the truth from God, from the Lord, from Jesus. If you have figured that out or come on board with Jesus, you're then given the Lord's wisdom. And was in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul concludes that chapter with, we have the mind of Christ. So when we come on board with Jesus as a body of people, as a body of believers, we are going to have collectively the mind of Christ. And that's the ultimate level of wisdom. Now we move on to verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus was just then after that rebuking the towns of Chorazin, Beth Bethsaida, Tyre and Sidon and Capernaum. No, he wasn't rebuking Tyre and Sidon, excuse me just Capernaum, and he was saying that if the people in Tyre and Sidon had responded to the message that Elijah and the other prophets were bringing, they would have repented. But he's saying, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Capernaum. You know what woe means? It's a curse. So he's saying, cursed are you, because if the people in Tyre and Sidon had heard what you guys have heard, they would have repented. But it's not going to be so good for you on that day of judgment because you've heard the message literally from the man himself and it hasn't moved you to be changed. So they rejected his message. But in this regard, Jesus, after reflecting on the rejection, he praises God. He praises his Father. Now, the Father hid the beauty of the gospel from the wise, meaning the proud, and the truth was revealed to babies. And at this time, the truth was revealed to those people, but Jesus is saying, woe to you. And the people in Tyre and Sidon would have repented. Now, what we get from that is that those who want to hear will hear. Those who are inclined to listen will listen. 
So when we're out there witnessing, trying to get some, you know, share the faith with someone, find the people who are actually willing to listen to you and not just, uh-huh, 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 yeah, 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 okay, you know, go away. Find the people who the Lord has genuinely prepared to hear. How will you know when that happens? Well, they will say something to you that will give you the hint that they're actually interested in what you have to say. You got to be alert and paying attention and awake, spiritually speaking, when that happens so you don't miss the cue. But there are those out there who the Father has prepared to hear the witness. And so when you find them, share with them. Now, the ones who labor, those weighed down by Pharisees' rules, and that's verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And yes, that means people who are burdened by this life. But in the context of this passage, what Jesus is talking about here are the people who have been weighed down by all of the additional regulations laid down by the Pharisees. On top of the Levitical law, the law of Moses, the Pharisees had come up with some 600 and something additional commands and requirements. And he, they laid those on the people. And the people obviously found it hard to navigate in faith with all those additional requirements like what time of day you need to get up, what kind of clothes to put on in the morning, what kind of clothes to wear in the evening, do you need to wear your prayer shawl all day, uh, what do you need to wash your hands a certain way? We read about that in Mark chapter 7 because the Pharisees were complaining that the disciples weren't washing their hands according to the, quote, tradition of the elders. And so Jesus is saying, come to me because you guys have been worn down by the, all the additional requirements that have been put on you by the Pharisees. So when you come to me, all you have to do is think then about my, the relationship you have with me. And that's going to relieve your burdens pretty much, pretty heavily, right? You know, pretty well. Now, we have, though, people in our own time who do the same thing. We call them legalists. People who you've got to come in and wear a certain type of clothing to church. You know, there's some people who still require women to wear the little veil thingies on their head. There are some places that still require the women to wear the flower print button-up dresses and all this sort of thing. And if you don't wear a tie, woe to you. That's the kind of thing that Jesus is saying, get out of that. Come to me. You're going to find it a lot better in your relationship with the Father through me, by the Holy Spirit, if you get away from the legalists. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Anybody know what a yoke is? It's that large wooden thing that they put across the necks or shoulders, if there were any, on the donkeys or, ox or oxen or whatever, and it tied them together. And it was kind of heavy, 
Now the oxen could bear it because those are, you know, powerful animals. But Jesus says, take my yoke, which is not nearly as heavy as the one laid upon us by the legalists, the people who want you to, you know, make sure you have your shoes shined on Sunday or something. You know, some requirement where you go to church and you think, uh, do I look okay? Are they going to kick me out because I don't have the right clothes on? Are they going to kick me out if I'm not wearing a tie or a dress or whatever? But instead, come to Christ. Come in faith. And that's what Jesus is speaking of here. We come to faith in Christ and we come to Him by faith. It's far less of a burden to do that truthfully. And Jesus wants us to learn his way of doing things, which is by faith, not by regulation. But if you have Christ in your heart, there are some things you will want to do, but you're not going to be required to do them. Does everybody understand the distinction there? You don't have to go out and have a check sheet and you know, turn it in to the pastor on a weekly basis of how many people you witnessed to that week. Now, Jesus accepts us just the way we are. But as the saying goes, he loves us too much to leave us that way. So we come to him however we are, and we let him work in us through the Holy Spirit to bring about the attitude of a servant of Christ and a disciple of the Lord. And that's the difference. That's freedom giving. You're free from the guilt of sin, yes. You're free from the guilt of all of your past goofs and baubles. And, and I know I've told that story before about the hippie that walked in the back of a church because he'd just come to faith and he didn't have any shoes on and he had long hair. He walked up to the front of the church and leaned on that the little waist-high wall that's in front of the pews. And everybody was going, ah, he's not dressed properly for church. And the elderly deacon, or elder of the church, the old guy, he got up and started walking towards the guy, and all the people were sitting there going, yeah, 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 he's going to tell him where, it, he's going to tell that guy the way it is. And when he got to the man, he sat down beside him and showed love to him, which made all the difference in the world. And that is what makes Jesus so different. He works by love, not by regulation. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page.
That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.